I want to invite you this morning to grab your uh, bulletin outline, and uh, we're going to have a little bit different of a teaching today, rooted in God's Word as usual, Uh, but today there's a number of passages of Scripture, thank you friend, there's a number of passages of Scripture, and you are more than welcome to find them in your Bible if you want to uh, do the Bible quizzing challenge and flip through them back and forth very fast. Uh, you're welcome to do that. But I'm going to break my rule. Uh, I typically don't like printing much of the Scripture in the outline because I want you to have your Bible in front of you. But today, uh, my preparation has maybe followed the path of a little bit of ADD, and, and we have so many passages of Scripture we're going to look at. It may be a blessing to you to have those in the outline right there for you. Last week we started a series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? Finding your identity in God. We learned that we cannot know who we are until first we understand who God is. Amen? The world gives us all kinds of reflections about us that are skewed. Some of us see ourselves worse than we are. It's kind of like those mirrors I had last week, that, that you're a little bit uh, fatter or shorter than you really are, and this reflection the world shows you. You don't look as sharp as, as you really are, and this reflection the world gives you. You think too little of yourself. Others of us are looking at the world's skinny mirror, and we're a little bit too impressed with ourselves. We're, we're thinner and taller than we thought. We're more handsome or beautiful than we thought. And we have it all together, and this isn't the truth either. But even when we see our reflection from God, when we see who we really are, we can't know who we are until we know who He is in our life. This week, as we look, we're going to take a break from Moses' story. We'll be back in Exodus uh, chapter 4 next week. But we're going to see that... Who we think God is determines who we think we are. Now, that's similar to last week, but it's a little bit different. You you can't know who you are until you know who God is. But when we begin to unpack what we really think about God, and we can begin to see how that impacts what we think about ourself. Who you think you are determines how you're going to act. So we're going to look at what God thinks about us today. One of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture is what Jesus thinks, what God thinks about the believer. And it's this picture of us believers being children of God. It's a picture of God being a loving father and us being his children. And this picture is very helpful for us to understand who he is and then who we are in light of that. Today, I want to share a little bit about what I've learned about how God sees me and how God sees you through the things that I have learned about how I see my daughter, Caden. As I shared, it may be a little bit different message than typical of what you've gotten used to from me. Some of you may yawn and say, here comes the pictures out of the billfold. I'm going to know more about his daughter than I wanted to. Just hang with me. Others of you who are parents or grandparents, you have done this before, so this is payback. You've shown lots of pictures So this is my chance to do it right back at you. Uh, My daughter, Kayden, is eight years old. A couple weeks back, I was using her in illustration, and I said that she was seven. I do know how old my daughter is. I just don't want her to grow up. But uh, as you look to the screen here, this is uh, Kayden, my daughter, coming up here. And, uh, you know, when you look at this, this is just any old baby. When she came out, when she was born, nobody told me 
Nobody in parenting classes or birthing classes told me that your kid can come out purple. And I was so worried, and I'm there in the delivery room, and I'm thinking, well, God, I, I, I'm going to love a purple kid. I mean, it'll be kind of weird going to school, and she's purple, and, and I didn't know any other, but, but I'll love her. But, but that faded, and, and she had quite a sharp, pointy head at the beginning, and I thought, well, I'll just love a pointy-head kid. No one really told me that that, that can go away, too. But uh, it may not look like much to you, but this was my daughter. This next slide, this is the first time that I held Caden. No one had to teach me how to love Caden with my whole body. I mean, I was in love with my daughter. This next one here. I I would find time to just carry around the house. I didn't realize that maybe shoulder rides should come maybe in toddler years. I was going to do this at an infant stage. I mean, here, a brand new baby, and she couldn't even hold her head up. I mean, what, what is that? So I had to kind of help hold her head up and, and walk her around. And, and to think that she should be so appreciative of this, right after this picture was taken, she threw up all over my hair. So some of you were laughing that I had hair, but maybe that's one of the reasons I don't have any left, is that acidic vomit was all over my head. But I didn't care. This was my kid. This was my daughter. I loved her so much. And in this next one, I would would dress her up, and I would try to indoctrinate her to be a Cubs fan early on. This was my kid. Well, this morning, I want to share with you a little bit of how I have learned how God views me and how God views you through the same things you've learned. My experience as a dad is not anything unique. You have had these as parents. What can we learn about how God sees us? To the way that we see our own children. You know, today's teaching, I believe, has the potential to correct some wrong thinking for us. Now, if you have your outline, write this down. Wrong thinking, when it is corrected, right living can begin. If we have wrong thinking about God, if we don't understand how he views us, it's pretty hard to live right. But when wrong thinking is corrected, it doesn't guarantee it. It doesn't make sure that's going to happen for sure, but it's the possibility that right living can follow. Listen to this quote from J.I. Packard in his book, Knowing God. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And having God as his father. If this is not the thought that promotes, prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. I love this. If you want to know how deep someone is in their walk with the Lord, just find out how they think about the concept of being a child of God. If they don't see much in it, I'm just a child of God, they're not getting the heart of Christianity. If they understand, I I'm a child of God. And they're beginning to get it. Jesus' favorite term to address God or to speak about God was what? We might think that it was master because God is the master. We might think that it's Lord because he is Lord of all. But Jesus called God Father more than anything else in the New Testament. In fact, over 65 times Jesus calls God the Father in Matthew, Mark, And Luke, and over a hundred times in the book of John. The thought of being God's child might be foreign to some of us here today. When we think about our dad, it's anything but good for some of us. Some of you, you'd think that your father would be doing a favor if he 
didn't show up in your life. That's how bad it was. Some of you wish that you had a father that would show up. And, and I understand in a message like this, when we talk about God being our father, sometimes there's a barrier between understanding this because of our earthly father. Well, friend, whether you had a father that you felt like was good or bad, God wants you to know he is the perfect father. So as much as your earthly father may have missed it, know that the flip side, your heavenly father is so far greater. No matter how good you think your earthly father did, no matter how proud you are of the name or the the inheritance that you got from him, your heavenly father is greater than this. You see, if we don't see God as father, we will waste a lot of time, a lot of unnecessary effort trying to please God for all the wrong reasons. And with the wrong methods. If we don't catch this this morning, this is what could happen for us. We'll waste so much time, so much energy, so much effort in trying to please God for reasons that are not right. And with methods that are not right. There's four categories I want to look at briefly this morning of how we can understand how God sees us through the eyes of us as parents here on earth. But before we do that, I want us to look at some scripture so we can see this is not a message of self-help. This is not, I'm going to teach you everything I learned and I need to know in life from kindergarten. Or this is not, you know, the the gospel message according to Oprah Parenting. Or this is not uh, life lessons from Pastor Brady, his father. No, no, no. God's word tells us that we are to see God as father. Let's look at that so we can see this foundation scripturally. In your outline, you see Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Luke 11, verse 2, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus is teaching the disciples, he's teaching us to refer to God as Father. Well, if that's not enough, let's look at Romans eight fourteen through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Daddy! Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is not just a a, a neat, cute idea to do today. Say, hey, you know what, let's just think about God as Father, and we'll look at some baby pictures of Pastor Brady's kid, and they'll just kind of make us feel better. Jesus himself said, God is your Father. In Romans, we see that we are adopted. We are new in Christ, and he is our Father. Let me ask you, is every single person a child of God? Think about it. Is every person on earth a child of God? No. Now, understand, God has created every single person. God loves every single person. But we are not all children of God. I've heard many people say before, well, we are all God's children. And I think I understand what they mean, especially in context of of loving people with differences. and, And to know, it'd probably be better to say we are all God's creation. We are all loved by God. But every single person is not a child of God. I become a child of God 
When I accept his free gift of salvation, I am adopted into his family. When I am born again, I become a child of God. God loves every person. God created every person. Every person can be a child of God, but not every person is a child of God. Now this morning, this may be kind of troublesome for, for some of us. It, it may bring some questions to our mind. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I wonder, am I a child of God or not? And maybe there's some here today you say, well, I, I don't think I am a child of God. And, and I want you to know today could be the best day of your life. There is no reason standing between you becoming a child of God. There's no reason. Well, what do I need to do? I need to confess. Confess means to say the same thing. I'm going to confess my sin, my wrongdoing, the things that I've said and thought and done wrong. I'm going to say the same things about them that God says about them, that they're disobedient, that they're sinful, that they separate me uh, from him. But not just confessing, I'm going to repent. Repent means I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go 180 degrees. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, other direction. I'm getting my, my math right there. Go in the opposite direction of where I was going. That's what it means to repent. So it's not just enough to say I'm sorry or enough that, to feel bad that I'm caught or enough to say, man, my life is a mess. And I say the same thing. Yeah, my life's a mess. God says it's a mess. I say it's a mess. It's bad. I need to repent. And with his help. Move in the other direction. And finally, believe. I'm going to not just have a mental idea about God, but I'm going to believe on Him. If I confess and repent and believe, I can become a child of God. We may talk about that at the end this morning. But the rest of our time, I want us to look at what it means to be a child of God. What I just told you, here's some scriptural Support for this. First John 3, 9 through 10. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother or their sister. Today, I want us to look at how good it is to be a child of God. This is open for every person. Every person is not a child of God, but they all can be. Four categories I want us to look at. So in some ways, as I've been looking at my daughter, I've been preparing for this sermon, I guess, for eight years. As I began looking back this week on what it felt like bringing Caden home from the hospital. Looking back over the last eight years, thinking about moments of great frustration Anybody ever have great frustration with their kids? Had some this weekend. It was wonderful. Looking back over the last eight years, thinking if I could somehow get inside her body and reprogram her somehow, what changes would I make? There's just some things in us as people that make us difficult. The first category I want us to look at, one of the things that I've observed, that I've observed, I've learned about my relationship with Caden that I think talks to me a lot about how God sees me and sees you is, What I've learned through raising my daughter, what I've learned about my gratitude level. What I've learned about my gratitude level. Now, Caden, when she was younger, in this next picture, she loved to grab everything that was hers and wear it at the same time. And she tried to look like mom, and she'd wear a hat, and she'd have all kinds of frilly things, and she'd have a a butterfly deal here, and and every purse that she owned, and a backpack, and she'd have her Kleenex and her snack in her hand, and everything that she could get. And it was cute at first, until we saw that this was all the time. 
And this word came into her vocabulary, mine, mine, it's all mine. And we begin to see this selfishness in our beautiful little Cubs fan. I couldn't believe it. It was just flat out selfishness. I began to see that I still love my daughter, but I could see selfishness in her. And I began to learn, as I've been looking this week, that as a child of God, he loves me, but he sees my gratitude level, and I see how selfish I am. Friends, if we're honest, there's a lot of things that we view our relationship with God about what I can get. Five things that your kids probably never, ever, ever think. Number five, is this a good time for you, mom or dad? That never really crossed my daughter's mind, I don't think. Number four, dad, thanks for all that you do. Maybe that will come in later stages. She's never thought that now, I don't think. Number three, what can I do for you today, Dad? Not, not really happening. Number two, Dad, she never thought this when she was younger. Dad, I think I'm going to make these diapers last until the next payday. Never thought that. Never thought it. Dad, how about you and Mom get some alone time? She never thought that. There was this innate selfishness, this, this only thinking about who I am. This is a part of what a child is that a father and a mother understand. We're all born with this selfishness. I remember in this next picture, something started to happen when Caden began to think about this idea of being a princess girl, and she loved it. And we had all kinds of outfits that we'd get, not just for a costume party somewhere, but this is what we'd wear around the house. And we'd wear the Dorothy costume and dress and had to have ruby slippers and make the dog get involved. And, and it was cute until I started seeing this is kind of expensive. And here in this next one, our daddy-daughter dates moved from McDonald's, and then we went into an American girl phase. This is a trap that somebody has invented. I mean, I think I should have college educations attached to these dolls of how expensive they are. And then you can take them to a restaurant and sit there with your doll and have tea. and all. It was expensive. In fact, one report is telling us now that to raise a child, it costs between $250,000 from birth to age 18 and $400,000. That's not including the college education when you factor everything in. Kids are expensive, but she's worth it. Why does American Girl Place or whatever it's called, you know, major money doll, why does that, why does it exist? Because parents say my kid is worth it. They love giving to their child. Not only do I see that I am selfish, I see that I am expensive. You are expensive as a child of God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You were bought with a price, friend. You are expensive. You are a selfish child, but you are so expensive. And God says, you are worth it. If God thinks you are valuable, you are valuable. There's some wrong thinking that needs to be corrected here so right living can happen. Some of us think that God is mad at us. Some of us think that God is not pleased with us if we don't do X, Y, Z. God understands how selfish you are, and he loves you so much, he paid the ultimate price in letting his son die for you. I've also learned that I have no idea how good I have it. I don't get how good I have it from God. Sometimes I look at my daughter and Carrie and I are providing for her somehow or preparing a meal, which I don't do much of that. Carrie's doing that or we're putting a roof over her head and she has no idea. She has no idea. 
Isaiah 55, 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You and I have no idea how good we have it with God. That's some of our gratitude level. Imagine with me, as I shared this morning, what if God took away some of the things that he did for you? What if your immune system all of a sudden stopped working and God caused it to stop working? For some of us, that may have happened through disease or illness or sickness, and and I don't believe that God causes all things to happen, but what if God did just cause your immune system to stop or cause your emotions to stop working? Think of all the things he provides for you that we don't think about. I also learned some about my own development. When I looked at my daughter's development, I noticed some things happening. Here in this next picture, Caden went through a stage where she wanted to do everything that dad did. If dad stood a certain way, she wanted to stand that way. If dad said it, she wanted to say it. And again, this was cute for the first five minutes. Until you're driving in the car and everything she say, she mimics. But I began to learn that it's important what I say. It's important what I laugh at. It's important where I go and where I don't go. And, and she could learn a lot from me by just doing what I did. And as a flawed father, I have to be cautious about it, but a perfect heavenly father, we need to learn, friends, that there's a lot that I can learn. Most of what I need to know, I can learn by mimicking my father. Drop that in. Most of what I need to know, I can learn by mimicking my father. Well, Brady, where did you get that? Well, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Scripture is telling us to mimic our dad, to repeat what our father does. Learning about my development, not only does God say, hey, just do what I do, just follow me. I can also see that God is excited about the little things in my life. Now, this next picture, uh, Facebook wasn't around when I took this picture. And it looks kind of weird. And what is this little baby with the goofy eye here? Caden just rolled over. I know you were excited. Your day can be complete because you saw the picture when Caden rolled over. You woke up this morning and you thought, oh, if I could just see pastor's kid, the picture when they rolled over, I'd have a complete day today. Most of you say, that's not a very good picture. It's not real flattering. She's got a large head and weird eyes sticking out there. But this was a big news. Facebook wasn't big yet, and, and so I emailed this to everybody in my address list. My insurance agent got this picture of Caden rolling over. Everybody, I wanted them all to know. Because for a dad, the smallest developments are some of the the biggest news that we want to share. I remember when Caden, even the things that that don't seem right at the time, but you can see potential in them. Caden, one morning I went into her room and I saw that she had gotten into my wife's markers and I was a little bit concerned and I pulled the blanket back and Caden had taken a green permanent marker and she had colored herself green. Now, now I haven't told you enough. I mean, it's like really colored herself green. Everywhere that the diaper didn't cover, it was solid green leg, solid green leg, solid green tummy. And it crossed my mind at first. I think we have an artist. I'm pretty impressed. That took a lot of work. I mean, in the smallest things and even in some of the mistakes we make, God, our Father, it's big news to Him when we make an improvement, when we see something happen, when there's potential there. What are some of the developments in your life spiritually that God is thinking that it's big news? Maybe it's that temptation you've been facing over and over again with your thought life. And you bounced your eyes, and men, you you said, I'm not going to look at that any longer, and I'm going to move over here. 
God is Facebook and all of heaven. He's so proud. He's saying, my son, my daughter is getting it. They're beginning to obey. This is big news. Or, or when you woman, you're, you're talking to your friends and, and then there's something you could share that's juicy and it would get a laugh or it would get a, a gasp and you say, you know, I'm not going to share that. It's not mine to share. God, the Father says, this is big news. Facebook, all of heaven, she's getting it. Though it may be it may be permissible, it's not beneficial, and you don't have to say this. And it's, my child is growing. I learned a lot about my development, about God. What I improve on is so important to him. Third, in my development, the Father is delighted in my happiness, but he's committed to my progress. I don't like to think about this one as much. It's easy to laugh with our kids, and there's a hundred stories I could tell. But how many times do we expect God just to be delighted with our happiness? Not realizing he's so committed to our progress. I want you to fill in the blank with your children, with your niece or your nephew, with your friend that you have been reaching out to. Times when they wanted you just to be delighted with their happiness, and you want them to be happy, but you're more committed to their progress. God the Father thinks a lot of things about you, and when you understand what he is thinking about you, it can change how you act. Hebrews five twelve through 13 In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. You know, it's one thing for a small child to have milk in a bottle. This is not only natural and good, it's a wonderful thing. But as an adult, if I'd walk around and I would only eat milk out of a bottle, it would be weird and creepy. It's, it's not something natural. This is not supposed to happen. God is not so concerned about my happiness all the time. It delights him, but he's committed to my progress. He's going to push me into places that I'm uncomfortable. If I'm not thinking rightly about God, I can begin to think that he's angry at me just because he's not wanting me to be so happy all the time. God loves you so much. He wants to discipline you. He loves you so much, he wants to stretch you. Final category, or the second and final category I want us to look at is, I learned a lot about the Heavenly Father's picture of me through my understanding of Caden. Learning about a father's protection or provision for his child. This next picture reminded me of Caden was in a nursery at a church, not here, and not even in this state. And, and uh, it came to my attention that one of the nursery workers, by accident, was not watching Caden too well, and Caden had crawled behind one of the rockers, and they had rocked back on her hand and smashed her fingers. No one had to teach me this, but I saw the principle, you mess with somebody's kid, you answer to their dad. And I didn't go back and yell at him and tell him what for and say, who do you think you are, though it crossed my mind. I went back and I said, tell me what happened. You mess with my kid, you're going to have to answer to dad. I need to hear the report and need what's going on. Our heavenly father cares what's happening to you. Remember last week, verse 7 of, of, of chapter 3, I think, it says that in Exodus that the father saw what was happening. He heard their cry and he was concerned about them. There's nothing a father won't do to see his child succeed, to care for them. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you... If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. 
Or if we ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask? I love this verse, especially if you're someone who struggled with your earthly father. How much more, if you could find one shred of good, even one shred of good from your earthly father, how much more would your heavenly father give you? He is perfect. You know, there's some times when I would look to see what Caden was wanting, and I'd go ahead of her. In this next picture, Caden would sometimes see a toy that would be underneath something, and and all she'd have to do is kind of stretch or kind of make a movement in the direction of what it is she was wanting to get. And if it was something that was permissible or okay, I would meet her halfway. All she had to do was kind of stretch to get it, and I would go get that toy, and I would hand it to her. And, and, And God is wanting us to know that he loves us. He sacrificed for us. He cares for us. And his protection and provision, if we will just stretch in the right direction, if we will just begin to obey in the right direction, he will meet us halfway. He will meet us there and he will, he will complete that for us. Some of us struggle with salvation and we look at repentance of turning the other direction. I don't think I can do it. I can confess my sin, but I'm not sure that I can, can go the other direction. I'm confident you can't. But if you will just stretch in that direction, you'll begin to move in that direction. God will help you obey. Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was so upset. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took these kids in his arms. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Our father wants us to get up in his lap. We're not bugging him. Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Do you see who God really is as father? His gratitude, his thankfulness for you. Do you see your gratitude level? Do you see how you're developing and how he cares for your development? Do you see his protection and his provision for you? And finally this morning, are are you learning about God's acceptance for you the way that you should accept your child? This is probably my favorite picture of Kate and I ever, ever, ever. I've had the privilege of baptizing a lot of people. And I could get excited and I could get tears in my eyes about baptizing your kids, but it wasn't even close to this morning. I wasn't thrilled because Caden had finally checked off all the things that she should have done to be a good daughter. I wasn't even thrilled that she had memorized her scripture. I was so thrilled to baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as she confessed her dependence on Jesus because she was my kid. It didn't matter what she had done or what she had achieved. She was my daughter. And this will always be my favorite moment with her. I love her because of who she is. Friend, the Father is proud of you and me, not because of what we've done, but because we are His. Somebody here needs to hear that today. God is proud of you, not because of what you've done, but because you are his. This last scripture, and I'll be be through. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. 
And as he was praying, the heavens was opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. I've read this verse a number of times, and I don't think I ever really caught verse 23 to recently. Now Jesus himself was 30 years old. (laughs) Check this out. Jesus, to the best of our knowledge, had not done any miracles on earth yet. His ministry hadn't started yet. And the Father says, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased because he can turn water into wine. Nope. Because he can heal the sick. Nope. Because he's so gracious and so obedient, he will follow me to death on the cross. Nope. Because this is my Son. I am well pleased with him. He is my Son. God the Father feels that way about you. He loves you. He is committed to you. And somebody here today, there is freedom in your heart. You've had all kinds of knowledge. You've had all kinds of information about God. But you've not seen how head over heels and love he is with you. Well, then why doesn't he always make me happy? Because he loves you too much to make you happy all the time. He's more committed to your progress than your happiness. Well, well, why is it that I don't get what I want? Because you're like Caden up there gathering all your stuff. You're so selfish. So am I. Who are we to think that he owes us anything? God loves you so much. As we close this morning, I, uh, I don't have words I don't have any kind of speaking mechanic to communicate what's in my heart. But God wants to grab somebody today by the shoulders and say, Look me in the eye, daughter. Look me in the eye, son. I love you. Let me grow you. Some of the love gifts today will come in the form of a spank and saying, it's time to put down the bottle. Let's eat some meat. Some of the love gifts will come today and saying, start stretching in obedience and I will meet you halfway. Some of the love gifts will come today and recognizing how selfish our attitude really is. And God's saying, you have no idea my thoughts. You have no idea my ways. Some of the love gifts today will come and say, you know what? My value is placed in the price he paid for me, not what I do. He loves me because he has given so much for me there may be someone here this morning that you're still stuck on what i said i I know it's not popular it'd make everybody feel better if i said you're all children of god but god's word doesn't say that today you could become a child of god today for sure those who are born again can celebrate being a child of god but if you've never confessed your sin repented to turn and go the other direction and to believe puts your weight on him with your life you can have these benefits of being a child of god let's pray together father i pray that you will go to my brother and sister in this room who they have maybe been around church for a long time or they've been around religion for a long time but they've never been born again they've never Confess their sin, repented, turning from it, and believing in you. 
I pray that you'll give them the boldness right now to pray this prayer after me in their mind. Friend, if that's you, you don't need to say this out loud and don't get so caught up in saying the exact things I say. It's more important that your heart means this and believes this. If that's you, you pray in your mind with me as I pray out loud. God, Father, I know there's things that I have said wrong and I have done wrong. And I know those things are sin. And I know they separate me from you. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin right now. I want you to come into my life and with your help, I want to go another direction. I want to live for you. Thank you for saving me today. I believe in you, Jesus. And God, though it's hard for me to comprehend, I welcome you being a perfect father to me today. Lord, I pray those who just accepted you will No, Romans 10, 9 says that anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus rose from the dead, they will be saved. Your word is telling us that right now heaven has opened up and there is a cosmic celebration about a son or a daughter who's just been adopted into the family. Lord, I pray that you will bless those in this room who are born-again believers. They are daughters of the King. They are sons of the King. Remind them of who you are. Remind them of how, they, how you see them. And teach us to live and act like it. Teach us to live like a son of the King. To live like a daughter of the King. Not out of your wrath, but out of your goodness and love for us. Father, I thank you right now for some of the wrong thinking that can be corrected by your scripture, where right living can begin to take place. Seal this in our heart today. Only like a father can do, would you continue to be committed to our growth in you. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. May God bless you this week. If you want to get ahead... For those overachievers in the room, we're going to be in Exodus 4 next week, continuing with Moses, looking at who am I, who do I think that I am. And some of us, we can understand who God is. Some of us can understand what he thinks about us, but our insecurity is so strong, it cripples us. I want you to be praying and asking God to prepare your heart. May God bless you. Don't forget, because I almost did. Tonight at 6 o'clock, our students, our youth ministry is going to be presenting to us a report of the mission trip they just went on. Please join us tonight at 6 o'clock. You'll be blessed to hear of their ministry. God bless you. Have a great Sunday school class.